Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Louis Gadima. Lewis helps B2B companies build their brands and generate leads as a fractional CMO. He also mentors MIT startups and leads an annual marketing boot camp for the MIT community. He speaks frequently on marketing and has written for such leading business sites as the Harvard Business Review. He's recently published a second edition of his Bullseye Marketing book. His new side hustle is ghostwriting and co-writing business and marketing books. And I am happy to say he's a return guest. Welcome to the podcast, Lewis. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Good to be talking again. Yes, me too. Me too, for sure. Now, um, I have to ask you this question. What is short-termism and why is it a problem? Uh, Well, short-termism is a problem that has really grown up, I would say, in the last 10 years or so in marketing. And it's the inadvertent uh, byproduct of the huge explosion of marketing technology, software programs that we have now. And so, you know, Scott Brinker uh, puts out an annual infographic of the universe of MarTech. And uh, in 2011, I think he did the first one, and it had a few hundred companies in the infographic, and the latest one had 10,000. And so there's this crazy number of CRMs and marketing automation programs and social media and email marketing programs and on and on in every dozens of categories. And each one collects data and each one has analytics. And so it's really pushed people in marketing into looking at what result, how can they optimize their campaigns, which is great, Um, but it's pulled them away from longer term goals. And so to the degree that it helps optimize lead generation and and short-term campaigns, great, but you, you have to keep up the other side of the scale, the brand, the creative, you know, the emotional connection with customers at the same time. And that's where short-termism becomes a problem when people aren't looking at, at long-term goals uh, in balance with short-term ones. I see. Yeah, boy, you know, I feel like it's really getting harder and harder not only to figure out where to be and when to be there, but um, how to to be engaging. It, fe- it feels like there are so many opportunities that it can be overwhelming. 
Oh, it is. You know, there's no way to keep up with everything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and there's certainly no one, and I, I think Scott Brinker would probably be the first to say it, no one who understands in depth what the tools in each of those 40 plus categories or 50 plus or whatever it is now, yeah. uh, you know, how to get the most out of every one. That's why you need experts in each one. But um, there is a ton of evidence uh, and experience that companies that only focus on short-term results are shooting themselves in the foot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I focus on B2B. And uh, if you own, what happens is uh, most of your market is not buying right now. You know, probably 95% of your market doesn't want to buy what you're selling today. They may have bought it six months ago. They may have bought it a year ago. They're happy with it. They may not even think they need it in some cases, depending on what you're selling. Uh, you know, they may have a vendor that they've been with for 10 years and they're very happy. But 95% of the market probably is not buying. And short term, like um, search ads, can be effective with that 5%. But if you do the brand marketing and building what's called mental availability, which is beyond awareness, mental availability is when people are going to think of you and your company when they decide that they need to buy what what category you're in. And oh. so that and as surprising as it is, many companies buy uh by only looking at one vendor or maybe two. And it's the one or two that have built up that mental availability or have been referred. Um and so even if you're running some some search ads or some other lead gen things, uh, you won't get in front of them. Uh, let me give you a, a perfect example of this. Right. So I had an agency for a dozen years. And for a while, we were at corporate communications for companies like IBM and the Boston Globe. But then after the 2002 recession, I wanted, I was ahead of the curve. I wanted recurring revenue. And so we we pivoted before it was called pivoting to become a SaaS company, before it was called SaaS, it was called application service provider then. And uh, we became, we had developed our own content management system and we designed and developed and hosted, most importantly, the websites for small colleges and private schools. So that was our new market niche. Uh, We repositioned into that niche. And then I sold the agency, we were successful and, um, I sold it about a, after a dozen years, and I became VP of business development for uh, another mid-sized marketing agency uh, as my next gig. And I remember the very first call I got for that agency, and the guy said, uh, I've been following you for you know three or four years. I've seen your CEO speak. I really like the approach that you talk about in your blog. I've read your materials. We're finally ready to to work, you know, on, on this. So I want to talk to you about, you know, working with your agency. That's what mental availability looks like. And, you know, we closed that deal in a few weeks. That was a very easy deal to close Um, because he had been, you know, primed for it for years. Right. Right. Yeah. Boy, you're reminding me. Early in my business, um, you know, I, I 
have not been doing a newsletter lately, but you know, I would do a, a monthly newsletter with an article or something. And I, I would notice the people who were opening it to some degree. I, I didn't pay a ton of attention to it. But anyway, two years into a gentleman who I don't know how he found it, but opened it every month for two years, then he uh, called me and mm-hmm. said, I've been reading your newsletter for years and I want to hire you. Yeah. And it, it was amazing. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I'm, it, this is so great. I'm getting it. So I was talking, I was giving a talk one time, you mentioned the, the workshop I do at MIT for marketing for startups. Yeah. And I was, I was doing it one time and there was this woman uh, who was eh, probably in her fifties or sixties. And I was talking about the power of email marketing, like your newsletter. And she said, and I was saying, uh, you know, that you should do it much more frequently than you're comfortable with. You should send it out if you can, you know, at least a couple times a week. Wow. And, and, um, she was saying, oh, that would really turn me off. I really hate it if I got that many newsletters. She said, there's a clothing company I like, and I get an email from them every day. And you know, I just ignore it until I'm ready to buy something. Then I look through the last 30 or so and see if they have any specials. And, and then I go and I buy it. And I was like, well, then it worked. Yeah. <laughs> they got that one second or two seconds a day and stayed in your mind. And uh, they got the the business when you were ready to buy. Wow, that's a riot! And if they unsubscribe, then they aren't your target. Is that fair? Uh, they may be your target, but you know, people can unsubscribe for many reasons, and and they may still be interested in you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, certainly, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're always going to have some unsubscribes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Okay, I, I want to talk about results because I it drives me crazy when I hear like a small business owner say something like, "I I tried marketing on, um, you know, I, I tried doing ads or whatever for a month and I didn't get anything from it, so I stopped." Like that drives me nuts. That their time frame they were expecting almost immediate results so i am curious you know you you are you know the expert here what are the results that someone can expect from you know brand marketing and lead gen and what are these time frames that are realistic well it's different in going to be different in every industry and every company and i've had okay. some situations where um, programs produced results very quickly in the you know the matter of a month or two, and I've had other situations where it was just impossible to get traction in that industry because of all several different factors, you know. And it was much more challenging. And I'm I'm sure that um, other people have experienced this too. If you if you work in more than one industry, you'll you'll run into this, or and you know with pro- with startups, you're dealing with companies who have very little, if any, brand awareness, uh, and you know, or credibility, and and that mm-hmm. makes it even more challenging. You know, one of the realities of marketing is that a, a company with significant market share, their marketing is going to have more impact. Um, 
that's part of the value of the brand they've built up. Um, it's the number one multiplier of marketing, but the, the, the number two mu- multiplier of marketing is creativity. And so it's not just a matter of, are you running ads? LinkedIn itself says that 75% of the ads that are run on LinkedIn are ineffective because wow. they're, re- they're really bad ads. And, and the reason they're bad ads is they tend to be product ads with very little, um, you know, nothing that is a, a strong call to action. There's, there's no good offer. So it's neither a brand ad, which typically is, uh, you know, there's a difference between brand and, and lead gen messaging. Lead gen messaging tends to be very rational. It's things like sign up for our webinar, download our white paper, 10% off, very rational messages and offers. And you either uh, act on them immediately or you forget it immediately that you even saw that ad. Um, so lead gen uh-huh. ads do nothing to build your long-term awareness and mental availability. Okay. Whereas brand ads have emotional messages. Those are the ones that have characters and stories and humor and creativity. And those are the ones I'm sure, Diane, there's commercials you remember from when you were a kid, you know, TV commercials. Sure. Sure. Everybody does. Yeah. That's the power of, of creativity Uh. and emotional messages on the brand side. And so brand messages tend to have much smaller impact in the short run, but much greater impact in the long run. Whereas lead gen ads either immediately are acted on or immediately are forgotten. Um, and so, uh, you know, sometimes you will see great uh, <clears throat> short-term lead gen results in a, a, a like I said, in a, in a month or two. <clears throat> I've had in some situations for some companies, uh, uh, webinars being very effective for lead gen mm-hmm. um, or using, um, multi-channel to help drive people to trade shows, you know, to the uh-huh. booth. Um, I'm a big believer in in multi-channel marketing, not single-channel marketing. Mm-hmm. If people see you in four or five or six channels, you're going to have much more impact than if you only um, market in one channel. Traditionally, brand is thought of as something that, you know, has doesn't hit maximum impact until a campaign doesn't hit maximum impact for two or even three years. Wow. But it can stay at that level for a very long time, as long as you keep running it. And that's why you see these ads like uh, progressive ads w- using flow. Yeah. Um, you know, that, she's been their spokesperson for a dozen years or more. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you can see, um, impact in the short run. So for example, you can see that your organic website, organic search website traffic is increasing because that's often a sign of a stronger brand because the most common, um, search term for most companies is their name. Yeah. Uh, and so if you see your organic traffic increasing, you know, that's a good sign. If you see um, more backlinks to your site, if you see the rate of new backlinks increasing, that can be a good sign. 
if you see, you know, perhaps some social, more social chatter about you. And you may hear it if you're in marketing from the head of sales or the sales team. Um, so, for example, I was working with a startup with a head of sales who was gracious enough not to tell me this until later, but he thought I was completely insane. He thought <laughs> the program I was running had no chance of working. Wow. Uh, but three months later, we were getting all sorts of leads from it. And he, uh, who had been a, a, a startup CEO and was an investor, was recommending and bringing me into other companies then, because since I'm fractional, I had some open slots. And, uh, and we were getting leads. Uh, and, and he said, you know, that literally people would say, you know, uh, you guys really have it going on. I had to see what you're about. Uh, so you may hear it that way too. So, you know, there's not always, I, I like to compare the difference between brand and lead gen in this way. Yeah. So it's well known you're in Cleveland. You have a great, um, great medical institution there, the Cleveland yeah. clinic. Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, they've done one of the many studies on this, but it's well known that if people exercise at least 30 minutes a day, five times a week, it's a tremendous benefit for their health. You know, they tend to live longer and healthier and have, you know, far fewer problems along the way. Right. But there's no one thing where you can say, you know, I, I worked out last Tuesday or I ran a 5K last Tuesday and that's what made me healthy. It's doing it week after week, month after month, year after year that produces that result. And that's kind of like brand marketing. Hmm. Whereas lead gen is like getting your COVID shot or getting a stent if you have a heart attack or getting chemotherapy if you have cancer. It can be very important. It can save your life, but it doesn't produce long-term health and wellness. It's a short-term fix. Uh and so you need them both in balance. And that's what you need uh, in your B2B marketing as well. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Welcome to Don't Retire Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85 or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. Okay, let's talk about balance. Is there an optimal balance between the two or does it depend on the industry? You know, what, what's that story? So generally for B2B, it's... Um it's considered to be roughly a 50-50 balance. Oh. Um, and for a startup, because, you know, it's so critical to get those early deals and you're not going to have three years to build a brand if you don't get through the next year. 
you might want to make it more like two thirds uh, uh, lead gen. But um, in in my book, I I quote uh, Jalay Rizai, who was the CMO of Gusto, the um, online payments firm, um, when they grew from five hundred to fifty thousand employees. Wow! And and now she's the CEO of another startup called Mutiny, and uh, she says that when at Gusto, when when they would run. Um, brand marketing, it wouldn't produce any immediate results. And, uh, but when they turned off their brand marketing, six months later, their customer acquisition costs, their CAC would go through the roof oh. and their, and their lead gen campaigns would be much less effective. And so she said, uh, you probably need to spend at least 20% of your marketing budget on brand at a very minimum for a startup. And for a mature company, it, it should be more like 50-50. But um, if, you, if you're not doing marketing at all, you're not going to start off putting 50% of your budget into brand and saying, I hope this works in two years. Yeah. You know, you're going to do, and this is what I talk about with my bullseye framework, my bullseye marketing framework is... How do you build out a marketing program with those center of the bullseye programs that produce quick, almost free results? Um, and the second ring of the of the bullseye, which also tends to be quick, before you move to the outer ring, uh, which are the uh, brand and mental availability uh, programs. Uh, so you build up results and you build up confidence and buy-in uh, for three to six months, show that, you know, you know what you're doing, and then then you move on to the brand. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, B- before I um, ask you some questions about the book, um do you have an example of a B2B company that suffered by ignoring their brand marketing? Yeah. Well, that quote I just gave you, uh, you know, from uh, Jalei Rezai okay. saying that every okay. time they turned their, it off, their costs went up. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Their CAC, okay. their CAC went off. Yeah. Their CAC went up. It's hard to prove a negative. What, what you can do is, you know, um, there are plenty, you know, when you look at, um, uh, you know, are you familiar with SAS? The It's a very large company, you know, analytics company. It's a global company, like 80,000 uh-huh. customers. Yes. Um, you know, they talk about multi-channel marketing. And usually if you're, if you have a multi-channel program, there's probably going to be a brand element to it. And, and they say that, whereas companies who are only doing short-term lead gen probably are just using email and search ads. Um, But the um, uh, SAS says that companies that use multi-channel marketing tend to grow three to four times faster than companies that do single-channel marketing. Wow. Uh, So it's a huge difference. Yeah. And you see... um, the best 
tech companies like Salesforce, the companies that are really good at marketing, uh-huh. you know, they know this. They do a lot of brand marketing. Uh, and, you know, they profit from the results. Right. Right. Yeah, boy, you know, I, I, it's, this is so, such great information. And I love the analogy to, um, you know, what you were talking about with the health and fitness and, and, um, being able to point to which thing. And so I think something that is potentially a struggle for small business owners, but it's part of the reason why I'm really glad that you were talking about it is you, you have to, um, it's almost like a leap of faith. If if you are in the right places and, and doing the right thing, you just have to understand that these things work together, even if you can't see that connection, you know, e- even if you can't nail it down and say this for this, um, you just have to know that you need both of them. Um, it sounds to me like the balance, the mix can change o- over time, depending on where you are uh, with your business. Um, but it also, th- this is now I, I want to talk about the book because um, it also feels like that's, I mean, for me, one of the top reasons to buy um, this new edition of of Bullseye Marketing. So will you talk about what else is in it and, and why you think people will benefit from buying it? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I won a nice award with the first edition. It was named one of the best marketing plan books of all time, which is like kind of, I didn't even enter. It kind of dropped out of the sky. <laughs> so that, that was a nice recognition. And uh, if you go to louigadima.com, you can um, see some more information about it. Uh, and if you go to Amazon and other places, you can buy it. So the... Uh, one of the things that is different about this second edition is uh, in the last edition, it was B2B and B2C, and now it's just B2B. And I think that makes it stronger. Um, I have a lot of data around this. Uh, make sure you read chapter 13. You know, everybody who reads it is like, that chapter 13, that was a really good chapter. <laughs> and one of the things that I wanted to do, because, you know, if you are uh, a big company, uh, you have those brand advantages and your marketing is more impactful. Yeah. But um, one of the things I, I wanted to do was show creative B2B marketing, what that looks like, since m- most people don't, even in, in B2B, don't know what it looks like. Yeah. And so I, I have a lot of examples in the book. And I also, in the chapter on video, I have... Uh, a link to a page on my uh, book website on louigadima.com where there are videos, a dozen or 15 B2B videos that are especially good uh, and wow. especially and especially creative so that you see what this looks like and, and what I'm talking about. Um, and hopefully take some inspiration not to copy it, but to do it, you know, even better yourself. Um, because we can't suddenly change our market share and get that advantage of 
you know, being the market leader, but we can uh, change our marketing very quickly. And we can, you know, uh, some people say, Diane, that you can't have the same team doing your lead gen and your brand marketing, okay. that, that the skills are so fundamentally different that, that you need to have some people, uh, you know, who are really good at, at copywriting and data and analytics and optimizing MarTech campaigns on the lead gen side. And you need some other people who are really creative and are going to come up with, uh, you know, an idea that, uh, that no one else has thought of before uh, to really uh, make you stand out in the industry. And uh, so I wanted to show some of those. I see. Okay, this is really, uh, it sounds like it is just fabulous. Um, and this topic, it's so important because, boy, so many small business owners, I, I think, you know, this whole marketing thing drives them a little crazy. And um, and there's so much input, you know, so much information coming in about what to do and how to do it and and where and when that it, it gets overwhelming. But also, I think it can lead a lot of people down a bad path, right? If they just go, okay, well, then this is the only thing I need to do. And what you've shared, and I've really picked up on is, you can't do it that way. There's got to be a blend, you know, and a, and a balance between the two. Yeah, and a path. And and for a small, so first of all, you know, I've walked the walk. I've been a small business owner, and I always spent ten percent of my budget on marketing. And that's that's a reasonable amount of your total budget to to dedicate to marketing. Um, you know, if you're a small business owner, and it was very effective. You know, we found some things that didn't work at all. We found other things that were highly effective, mm -hmm. and we became one of the leaders in our industry nationally. And then I was able to sell it. Um, I tell the story in the book of of Mailchimp which, you know, of course, a very famous company now. Yeah. But MailChimp was one of dozens of email marketing companies. And, you know, then they added, you know, some more components to their tool set. And, but their competitors did too. And, you know, some people said that they were easier to use. But if you actually do the research, you find that they didn't even rank in the top 10 for ease of use. Yeah. But, but they had great marketing. And they did a lot of marketing consistently for 20 years. And in uh, two years ago, the, the two founders who never took on an investor sold the company for $12 billion. Wow. But they invested in marketing and they knew what they were doing. So if yeah. you are a small business owner and, you know, or you're serving small businesses, and I've had agency owners, I've had consultants. Uh, you know, and others I, who reacted to the first edition who said, you know, this framework is really useful for us. Uh, and I and hadn't thought of it before. It lays out a three-step process to uh, launch and build a successful marketing program. And so that you you will do some of the things that have the this this came out of my own experience as a as a marketing leader um where i said you know there's things that 
that people suggest doing, like organic social media or inbound marketing, uh, that actually take a long time to produce a result, if they ever do. But there are other things that I'm doing with clients that have really quick results, and they don't get nearly as much buzz or attention. Uh, and so that's what inspired me to write the book in, you know, five years ago uh, and to lay out that uh, framework. I see. Oh, gosh, I can't wait to read it. Um, so you've so thank you so much for being here and sharing this information. And you've let the listeners know how they can get the book, which is great. Um, if they want to engage with you, just go to your website, LinkedIn. What's the best way? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, you know, um, or uh, you can uh, reach me, you know, through the website. Happy to hear from you and and uh, talk to you. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming back and sharing this information. I so appreciate it. Well, thank and you, Diane. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.